Good morning and welcome to a special meeting of the Milton Select Board on February 1st, uh, 2024. At the outset, I, I, I just want to note that uh, Mr. Wells uh, is unable to be here today through no fault of his own. Unfortunately, he, uh, he had to attend a funeral, so he's unable to be with us today. Um, uh, item two is public comment. Uh, we uh, allow 21 minutes for public comment uh, by policy, uh, up to 20 minutes, one minutes, up to three minutes uh, per person. Um, Mr. Milano times the 21 minutes, I, I time the three minutes. Uh, and since we are a hybrid meeting today, we just go down the list in order uh, by, um, by the hands being raised in the, um, in the, uh, by the attendees uh, in the hybrid meeting. And so we'll do that. And that's our normal practice. We'll just do that. We'll go down the list. Um, if you um, want to participate in public comment, um, and you're online, just raise your hand uh, with the raised hand symbol. If you're uh, attending by phone, it is star nine, star nine, just to put star nine to uh, participate in public comment. So first uh, public comment, uh, we have uh, Chris Hart. So you could promote Mr. Hart. Uh, good morning, can you hear me? We can. If you just give your name and address, and um, and then uh, go ahead and get started. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning. My name is Chris Hart. I'm a town meeting member in Precinct 5, and I live on uh, 55 Woodland Road. Um, I'm supporting a yes vote on Article 1 on February 13th, um, and I was struck by some of the comments in last week's discussion uh, about the Attorney General's January 16th document preservation letter. So I want to take a couple of minutes, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to speak, uh, to provide my perspective. Um, I should just start to point out my professional background. Uh, I've been a litigator for close to 20 years, the entire time primarily as a civil and criminal defense lawyer in private practice. Uh, and for that entire time, a regular part of my case docket has been defending my clients against investigations initiated by state attorney general's offices, the Department of Justice, and various state and federal agencies. The letter we received from the Attorney General's office follows the patterns I've seen over these last two decades defending my clients. It was a very clear warning to the town about the office's intention to pursue enforcement. This is not a scare tactic. It's not extortion. It's not fear-mongering. It's how the AG's office works. It's how law enforcement agencies work. It's common for agencies contemplating enforcement to tell potential defendants and the town of Milton is a potential defendant, what they intend to do if the potential defendant does not comply with the legal requirement. It's also common for agencies to say that if we choose to reverse course and comply with the law, the agency will work with us. And it's also common to tell potential defendants not to destroy documents since all those documents may be subject to discovery and litigation. I don't think it's helpful to sugarcoat this letter. If I received a letter from the IRS telling me that I might be subject to a lien if I don't pay my late taxes, that's not extortion. It's a warning and an invitation to cure my noncompliance. If I'm stopped by the, a Milton police officer for speeding and I provided a warning not to speed in the future or also get a ticket, that's not fear-mongering. That's an invitation to change my behavior or face a penalty. These are common ways that law enforcement acts. I ask that this select board simply be upfront with the town about the risks. Obviously, people on the select board differ on whether to vote yes or no. It's simply a question about being upfront. 
the AG's office did not send us a happy letter pledging collaboration. And I'm going to quote the language. First, quote, the Attorney General... Mr. Mr. Yes. Mr. 30 seconds, sir. Thank you very much. The Attorney General's office stands ready to work with any municipality, and it goes on, that seeks to meet its legal responsibilities. Next quote, our strong preference is for cooperation and collaboration, and it goes on, within the bounds of the law. And the last quote, my office will not hesitate to compel compliance with the MBTA Communities Act through legal action if necessary, should a municipality refuse to comply. We can't ignore or wish away that risk. Thank, thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Hart. Thank you. Um, all right, next is um, Matt Morong. You could uh, promote Mr. Morong. And if you could um, unmute yourself and give your name and address. And uh, you have three minutes, I'll let you know at two minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, good good morning, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Uh, this is Matt Morong. I live at 136, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 136 Elliott Street. Um, I want to bring about a matter to the board's attention, um, kind of late-breaking news. Yesterday, I received a letter from the Sun Property Group informing me that my home, um, which is located right at the corner, I've, I've said this over and over, right at the corner of Elliott Street and Central Ave, um, meets the property dynamics that appear to be a good fit for them. Um, and offering to go start a conversation about the purchase of my home. This is not surprising, given that there is a state law in effect uh, that declares MBTA communities shall have a zoning district within one half mile of an MBTA station. I, I'm within a few hundred feet of Central Ave, um, with a minimum gross density of 15 units per acre. Currently, Milton is not in compliance with this law. This emphasizes the importance of a yes vote on February 13th. By voting yes, residents get a zoning plan that preserves the character of existing neighborhoods and respects the scale of those places by placing strict limits on heights and densities, minimizes incentives for teardowns by creating zoning that matches the parameters currently in place, and is the result of an extensive public process. If we find that this law needs tweaking in the future, there is opportunity for that action. Until this vote occurs, the transit area, starting from Blue Hill Ave all the way down Elliott Street, including the Columbines and the Milton Hill Historic District, will be under a threat of incompatible development at a developer's and court's whims. By voting no, the town will continue to be out of compliance with this law, leaving it vulnerable to the actions of real estate developers who do not care about preserving Milton's neighborhoods. In fact, no has no plan. We've been hearing about making this plan better, but after months of this argument, I haven't heard a single concrete proposal for how any opponent to this law intends to refine it and still comply with the guidelines set forth by HLC. The only way to save our neighborhoods against this type of development action is through a yes vote. Milton has an opportunity to control its destiny on February 13th, and a yes vote is the only way to do that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Moran. Um, Next is uh, Elizabeth Dillon. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, if you could give your name and address and you'll have uh, up to three minutes and I'll give you a uh, uh, indication of two minutes and 30 seconds. Thanks. Good morning, my name is Elizabeth Dillon. I live on 79 Governor's Road. I'm here this morning to talk about speed humps and with a word of thanks and hope. I wanted to say thank you to the people of Governor's Road who have trusted me starting about a year and a half ago or so to do something about speeding and driver aggression on Governor's. 
I started out knowing very little about this issue, except that I wanted to help. Thanks to Fred Kibble, Ryan Mulcahy, Amy Robbins, Kate Finn, Heather Bergen, Mary Beth Chulo, Sarah Fagan, John Duff, and all the other neighbors who have worked together with me on this. I wanted to say thank you to the East Milton Neighborhood Association for your unwavering support and belief as we began on this journey together. Thank you to the members of the Traffic Mitigation Committee in 2020 for realizing the problems with traffic in our town, including Governor's Road and setting the stage for the select board to be able to mitigate traffic hotspots. Chair Zulis, you were a key part of the Traffic Mitigation Committee and I thank you. Thank you to the town meeting members who voted overwhelmingly to appropriate funds for traffic study and mitigation in our annual town meeting last year. Thank you to the Traffic Commission and especially DPW Chair Chase Berkeley, who gets a lot of complaints about traffic, but now that he's been given the resources by the town has tirelessly worked cooperatively with us to get this done. Thank you to the police, Chief King and Lieutenant Alba, whose support for traffic mitigation is unwavering. We have seen increased enforcement in East Milton and on our street, and we appreciate you. Thank you to Fire Chief Madden and the entire Milton Fire Department for their unwavering support of our community and of our street. And thank you from the people of Governor's Road to Beta Engineering for studying our traffic problem and for finding real solutions that will not push traffic onto the side streets, but will instead be the first step in addressing the speeding crisis on our street and in East Milton. Thank you to our neighbors on Grafton, Garden, Gardner, Plymouth, Alden, and State for their support of the speed bump program. We promise that if we get speed bumps, we will work cooperatively with you on next steps to address volume in East Milton and work cooperatively to reduce cut through traffic from Quincy and beyond. I meant it when I said I would give you my cell phone number. I plan to continue to voice my concerns and as some of your TMM, I feel compelled to help. And of course, most importantly, a very special thank you to the select board. For Chair Zulis for meeting with me and Ryan Mulcahy in person to address our concerns, to Richard Wells, who's not here today, but who spent a long time speaking with me on the phone, to Ben Zoll for speaking with me as well, and to Roxanne and Aaron, although I've not had the chance to speak with you directly on this issue yet, I appreciate your understanding and anticipated support. These 30 speed seconds, Ms. Dillon. Yep. These speed humps are 50 years coming, and I invite every one of the people I mentioned here today to a neighborhood block party on a date to be determined as soon as these speed humps are hopefully installed. Today, I'm confident that you will vote yes, and the town of Milton will have delivered on its promise to the people of East Milton. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you, thank you Ms. Dillon. Um, next is Maggie Oldfield. You could promote Ms. Oldfield. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. If you could give your name and address, and uh, I'll give you a, a indication in two minutes and 30 seconds, and you have up to three minutes. Great, thank you. Hi, I'm Maggie O'Fields. I live at 397 Hillside Street. And on Tuesday, I received an invite from a friend asking to join him at the Milton Art Center for a campaign rally where the guest speaker was um, Lieutenant, the Lieutenant Governor. And the invite uh, plainly stated to share with, quote, three of your contacts, end quote. So I went on um, the provided link and I reserved my spot. I then printed out the electronic ticket. And just as I was, as I was heading out to the art center, I received an email saying I was disinvited. I think it's a shame that people with different opinions were intentionally excluded from listening to a state official talk about something so important that is going to affect all of us. We may disagree on topics, but I feel like we all should be inclusive. And the select board has publicly proclaimed that Milton is a no place for hate community. And 
I feel like this um, disinvitation was a pretty hateful act and extremely exclusionary. So I do hope you reach out to the organizers of that event and share your proclamation with them. I do also hope that the courtesy of an invitation was extended to all board members. And I would hope that that would have been posted on your um, public meeting calendar, because I am wondering um, if any of the board members um, attended the event and if any open meeting law um, violation occurred, especially since you guys, the topic of the, um, the event uh, was a subject matter that you guys are discussing and voting on today. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Oldfield. Um, anyone else for uh, public comment? I see Mr. Morong's uh, hand up, although uh, you, you may have had a little time left, Mr. Morong. I don't know if uh, we don't typically have people come back a second time. So, uh, oh, uh, oh, um, I see your hand is still up. Do I hesitate to, to go back because I'm not sure exactly how much time you had. So I, I, if if it's all uh, it's all the same to you, oh there you go. So the hands hands down. So that, that would have uh, I think there was some time left, but but that would have been a little bit difficult to calculate. We don't typically do that. So anyone else for um, uh, public comment? Just to raise the hand symbol or press star six nine six nine or star nine rather if you're on the phone. Uh, give everyone just a minute. And I don't see any. All right. Item three is discussion approval traffic commission report uh, regarding uh, recommendations. And the first is for Governor's Road traffic calming. And so I think we have um, Mr. Berkeley. So, Mr. Berkeley, do you want to uh, lead us through this? Good morning, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for having us today. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so the traffic commission met last Thursday, January 25th, and there's a series of recommendations that came out of that meeting, uh, two of which re require a vote um, in amendment to the traffic rules and orders of the town. And then the item uh, that's first on your agenda, Governor's Road, um, we can talk about now. So um, essentially it was recommended by the traffic commission that a pilot program be conducted to install speed humps on Governor's Road um, at various locations between the Quincy border and the uh, in Edge Hill Road. Um, and just so you know, so we do have our traffic engineer uh, beta, uh, Jeff Max Tudis, the, the principal that we work with uh, is on the call today. He's available and has the presentation that was provided at the traffic commission meeting ready. Uh, totally up to you if you wanna see it or have him walk through it, but he's available just so you know. Um, and so I, I, you know, thank you to Ms. Dillon for providing some of the background and we have been working with the neighborhood for quite some time now on how to address um, numerous reports of, of driver aggression, safety concerns, and, and one of the uh, reasons that we selected Governor's Road is it has been highlighted historically in, in many reports as a congestion point in town. Um, the numbers certainly back that up, and it being a road that's shared with Quincy, so the other half of the road is in Quincy, and there's been several uh, traffic calming solutions already implemented on their end, speed humps being one of them. Um, and along with the truck restriction for commercial vehicles, um, the fellow was it was proper at this time. Now that we have construction funding in our budget and also funding for um, traffic engineering services, uh, which we didn't have in years past, um, to to advance this to the next step. So um, I'll leave it up to you if you want to uh, 
have Beta jump on. Uh, if not, I can walk through the other two recommendations, or if you want to speak about governors in more detail, happy to do that. Yeah, maybe, uh, why don't we take them separately? So why don't we focus uh, first on governors? Um, comments or questions from the members? Mr. Zola. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, Chase, thanks so much for this, and thank you for um, for all the time that you've spent with the neighbors uh, over there. I, you know, this is a serious issue, and I'm I'm glad we're we're getting to it. Um, I know uh, when we met last, uh, we had a group of neighbors from uh, the adjacent street down. Uh, I can't remember; it's not Otis, but it's the one between. But do you know? Um, I know that there was sort of the work's been done on governors, and I think the concern was that if we put speed humps there, that then that might push the cut through traffic. Um, obviously, we don't want to hold progress on one street before we make everything perfect because that's not a good system of government. But I'm just wondering if you've also thought about those adjacent streets starting to put in measures for them as we go through the process for them as well. Yeah, so uh, great point, Mr. Zoll. So, um... That topic was discussed during the traffic commission meeting. We had a number of residents from Grafton Avenue and some of those surrounding streets, uh, Plymouth um, and State Street. And um, so the speed humps that are in place on Governor's Road already certainly haven't deterred the volume. So we're not anticipating on a, a traffic pattern change from from installing them. Uh, but we did um, pledge to monitor pre and post conditions. So what we'll do is take traffic counts on all the surrounding streets um, prior to installing them and then do a check after the fact to make sure that some unanticipated effect doesn't happen, but they're not anticipated to change the behavior of drivers. Um, you know, most of those drivers are typically following GPS apps now, and um, unless you can severely alter the driving time down a road, which speed humps won't really do um, to a point where it would change the uh, pattern for which they send a commuter in through that direction. Great, thank you. That's that's very helpful. Ms. Mustard. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, first of all, definitely supportive of putting the speed humps on there. How many speed humps would they be, uh, bumps, and how long is this pilot program uh, of that? And then I would say a couple of points is are that traffic in this town is one of the biggest issues that we hear from people on. And anywhere you go, traffic is a huge concern to residents. There, we have a lot of cut through traffic in Milton and this has been identified um, for a long time. And of course we wanna make sure that whatever's done there, we have to look at the surrounding streets because we don't know what the impact will be. And I would also want to say that I hope that our board will going forward um, really support a lot of the other neighborhoods that are having these issues with cut through traffic and numbers of cars and speed of cars. I know that over by um, the hospital on some of those cut through streets have been issues, people on Spafford and I think Buckingham and Clifton and all of those streets over near me, Brush Hill Road, this Canton Ave, uh, my own street, my neighbor's streets. So I just going forward, I really hope that um, this board will tune into that and be supportive of changes on these streets as they come up that are needed because of these issues that have happened on governors. There are a lot of issues all over town with this too. So, um, but yeah, if you could just please get back to me on how many bumps you're talking about and how long this pilot program would be for. Thank you. 
I'm going to take that, Mr. Chair. Yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we've identified four uh, possible locations. So some of the things to consider are, you know, either manholes in the street. Uh, we don't want to affect drainage in any way. Where do people's driveways line up, and where are the parking spots? So there's four, you know, possible locations. Likely the number will be three, uh, given the length of the street. Um, something to be worked out in the final design, but um, that's the thinking right now. I think there was also a question on the timing for the pilot. Yep. How long? How long it would go yep. for? So um, we don't have a, a fixed time frame, but we did discuss at the traffic commission meeting was uh, at least several months, uh, and we wanted to make sure that that observation happened uh, while school was in session. We don't want to look at traffic patterns over the summer because they tend to get very light. So um, ideally, we could build these in the spring, uh, it, assuming we get approval, and uh, will give us some time to watch the effect. Um, and determine if it was successful or not. Thank you. Ms. Brown. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, thanks, Chase, for being here today. I, too, live on a cut-through street, um, and it, we'll get to it later in this traffic section. Um, but when I first moved to the to the town, I emailed the select board because I moved in with, at that time, um, it, I had four little kids there was I live on a on a street that probably has I don't know maybe 12 houses on it maybe 18 and pretty much in every house there was small children I emailed um, asking for speed humps back in the day and was told that that is not something that the town of Milton does traffic is a huge problem across this town and you know I am I feel for those on governor's road um I've driven it. I've done that cut through a few times, not every time, but I have done it a few times. Um, and I've seen the parking situation and how tight that that road is to begin with. I wanted to know if the traffic mitigation committee has come up with any guidelines regarding speed humps um, moving forward, because, you know, honestly, the last thing we need is speed humps going everywhere where there's a traffic concern. The town the street that I live on, the town decided to do a bump out, which I'm going to hold my comments on that when we get to my street, um, which I think is the next item. Um, it has not been a great success here. Um, so I feel for those on Governor's Road. I understand that street, you know, street humps are what's probably going to be the best. I wish that I had those on my street instead of the design that was created. Um, but I just am concerned that this is going to set a precedent, you know, where, as as Member Muster said, there is traffic concerns all over this town. It is the biggest thing that we get email about. Um, and, you know, I appreciate being on the Governor's Road email chain. Um, I read all the little emails that get sent in that chain. Um, but I think that that this is this is a bigger item. And I think that um, I think that we need to have some policies in place. So that we don't end up, you know, with speed humps on every street. So, Mr. Berkeley, if you could tell me if there is a plan in place or a plan that's going to be in place regarding the use of speed humps and when they are um, the right course of action for the town. Sure. Thank you, Ms. Bradley. Yes. Yeah, so um, that was certainly discussed by the traffic commission that there needs to be some type of metric um, to determine if and when. Uh, so speed humps are what we call vertical traffic calming solutions. And there are also horizontal traffic calming solutions, which is narrowing and necking and 
alignment changes. So um, it, it definitely uh, not a solution for every street in town. There are surrounding communities that have identified which streets are eligible for which type of treatments. We'd, we'd like to get to something similar to that. So there's an expectation right off the bat that if you live on Reedsdale Road, we're not going to build speed humps in front of your house because, you know, it's a high speed limit and it's a four lane, you know, major roadway through town. So um, we we are hoping that this pilot helps us drive those metrics and, and determine a form of policy. Great. Thank you so much, Chase. So, so I, I will add, um, um, the, the traffic mitigation committee um, a few years ago um, engaged in a, an extensive public process to hear from the residents. We had several public forums. Uh, we had a wiki map on the website to elicit um, responses about different hotspots in town. And in the final report, um, uh, we identified, I believe it was six, six to eight hotspots in town. And the goal was to set up working groups for each of those hotspots. Now through the pandemic, and, and it has been difficult to get some traction um, to, to, to establish these working groups for the hotspots. But the Governor's Road uh, initiative here is the model. It's the residents um, getting together with the traffic commission, getting together with our traffic consultant, um, and working on a proposal that works for that that hotspot. And so my hope is that uh, this will uh, begin a process for the other hotspots in town to uh, establish these working groups that were recommended by the traffic mitigation report um, to try to address those specific problems for those specific hotspots. And so, so I think it's a, I think this is this is the model that we hope for. Uh, it's come up with a result that I think is a good uh, result. Um, and Chase, I just want to uh, make clear that what we're voting on um, today is the pilot uh, for the traffic calming, uh, which is the speed humps with the monitoring of the adjacent streets. Yes, that's correct. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Any other, any, uh, any other comments or questions on item 3A? Um, Mr. Chair, should we vote on these uh, recommendations individually or as a group? I think, I think individually is a good idea. So, Mr. Chair, I'd like to make uh, a motion then that we approve the Traffic Commission's recommendations for Governor's Road as presented. I'll second. Motion's been made and seconded. Any further discussion? <clears throat> um, this will be all those in favor. This will be roll, roll call vote. Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. Uh, Mr. Zoll? Yes. And Mr. Zulish, yes. Um, thank you, everyone. And, and Chase, uh, uh, one thing we didn't talk about that we, we talked about in the Traffic Commission's uh, um, uh, meeting was the timing for this. And this is this is not going to take a lot of time because number one, we have the money, uh, and number two, uh, I think the idea is to do it uh, uh, in, in as, as soon as we can, perhaps early March. But maybe you can fill us in on the timing for this. Yes. Yeah, so the construction piece of it is is actually pretty simple and um not very time consuming so it's it's really a matter of us uh ordering the materials and lining up the contractor our goal will be for early spring um just contractor availability is you know pretty tight these days so uh, now that we have approval we should get that um penned in on the calendar as soon as we can okay so we can hope we can uh best case sometime in uh, march yeah i would say march or april um you know we'll, we'll aim to get it in as early as possible 
Okay, yeah, let's try to do it as, as quickly as possible um, to get it going. Okay, um, all right. Um, anything else on that? Uh, item 3A, we can go to three item 3B, which is um, 190 Thatcher Street, handicapped parking space request. This is on the Lincoln Street side. So Chase, do you wanna tee that one up for us? Yes, so we received a request um, to create a, a one handicapped parking spot. It's actually on Lincoln Street. It's the side of 190 Thatcher Street. Um, there's a, a occupant of that home that, with cerebral palsy that um, indicated to us that the shortest possible distance from his vehicle to his front door would be preferable. Uh, and that happens to be the very first spot on Lincoln Street. So um, we put it on the agenda last week. Um, no one uh, from the public commented at all on it, um, but the traffic commission did support it. We did have the request in writing um, from the owner of the home. Um, and this is something that we have done in other locations in town when the requests come up. Uh, we just put one caveat on it, that it be only while the person lives there and removed once that, if, if and once that person um, doesn't live there anymore. Thank you, Chase. Comments or questions from the members, Ms. Bradley? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, so I live on Lincoln Street, um, as Mr. Berkeley knows. <laughs> um, I did not get any notice of this meeting. Um, I try and track everything. In fact, I just spoke to Mr. Milano about how to subscribe to um, our town's calendar so that I can get all the meetings posted on like my calendar. It's a very complicated thing, but I did not know that this was on the agenda for the traffic mitigation, um, nor did any of my neighbors. Um, nobody on Lincoln Street was notified. As I've I've said, there's not many houses on this street. There's probably 18 to 20. I, I could do the count right now, but I haven't had enough coffee. Um, a few years ago, you did traffic mitigation on my street, um, and it was one of the hot spots um, that was identified because we are the cut through for Pierce uh, Middle School. We are the drop off street. Um, oftentimes we can't leave our driveway during school pickup or drop off, especially if it's snowing or raining, forget it. You might as well sit and watch the traffic for at least 20 to 30 minutes. Um, in that traffic mitigation, you did bump outs on our road, um, a nice big sidewalk on one side and a few parking spaces on the other side. I live on the other side, I live on the same side as the handicap spot that is in, in um, up for uh, approval today. And um, there are probably for the 18 to 20 houses on this road, there are probably, I don't know, I wanna say eight parking spots. Uh, Chase, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not many. Um, when delivery trucks come, they have no idea how to navigate this street because, you know, usually you can pull over to the side on both sides of the street. You can't on my street. So they park in the middle of the street. Traffic gets backed up. Oil trucks come down the street. They park in the middle of the street because, again, they don't either have the space to pull in front of another house or there is not a parking space in front of the house that they need to get to. The street is extremely congested still to this day. Garbage trucks have ruined the bump out on the Thatcher Street side because they can't make the cut to turn down the, the road. So the new sidewalk that we have is completely cracked and chipping and breaking already. Um, the garbage trucks live at the parking lot at the end of my street, um, which is for school parking. Um, so it's, it's not an ideal street. 
I feel for this person that lives at the end of the street and understand that they want a designated parking spot. However, the two parking spots that are there are for one, two, three, four, five houses. Five houses, there's those two spots right there. And so if anybody has guests coming over for the night, there's nowhere to park on our street. There's nowhere for people to be unless they drive to the end, park in the lot that we're not supposed to park in, even though construction vehicles are there all the time and walk down the street, which is what I tell my people to do. I'm like, well, just get your steps in, you know, go park there. This is not an ideal street to put this handicapped spot. I understand that it's the closest to their front door. Um, I know exactly, I, I think it's a rental house. I don't know that it's uh, occupancy owner occupied, um, but it is a two family and it's, uh, I believe it's a rental. I will vote in favor of this because my father has had to have a handicapped spot and it's, you can't find them around town and I get it. But I think there needs to be some real consideration about what we're doing to the smaller streets that don't have 60 parents on it that are advocating for things. This street has been a nightmare for the town for since I moved in here. And I got to tell you, while I like the big wide sidewalk across the street and my family uses it every single day, it has not been an ideal situation for us and it has not calmed the traffic here. In fact, it has created more of a bottleneck and it has created a, a place where nobody has anywhere to park. This street, you know, I, I love it, but there's a lot of two families on this street. Um, a lot. I, I don't even know. None of, hardly any of them are owner occupied. I think maybe three are. Um, but you got two, two homes, you got a driveway that fits maybe two cars and you've got four adults. You've got two other cars that need to park on the street. This is going to totally back up our street even more. And it's on the entrance to the street um, from Thatcher. So it's just, it's concerning. I've said my piece. I'm going to vote for it because I feel for this person. Um, but this is absolutely not ideal. And, um, and nobody's come back by and talked to the neighbors since we had this thing put in um, about our feelings about it and how it's working. So maybe we could do some follow-up after we do some traffic mitigation in places around town to see how the neighbors are surviving. Because I gotta tell you, if Amazon comes down our street, I don't know, at least six times a day, it traffic's completely backed up. You cannot leave your home. So that's it. That's my piece. I'm gonna go drink my coffee now. Thank you, Mr. Berkeley. Thank you, Ms. Brown and Mr. Zoll. Oh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Just a quick question, um, uh, Mr. Berkeley. Do we, if it, if it is a rental or even if it's an owned unit, do we have a, how do we um, determine when the residents moved out? I plan on voting for this. I'm just wondering about the process, um, you know, so that we would remove this spot. Yeah, that's an excellent uh, point to bring up because there, there really is no official policy on these spots. So if you go to say the city of Boston, they have a two year um renewal requirement and you know that's similar to us in other ways like service zone parking and stuff but there's just so few of these spots amongst town i don't think a, a, an official policy was ever driven, drawn up for them so you know i'll put the burden on on my department and the police to monitor it and if it appears that it's no longer being used um we'll engage with the the owner and, and find out for sure it, it might be a good idea to think about, even if we don't have that many, if we if we want to put in like a two year, which uh, is sort of check in to make sure that a spot like that is still being used um, appropriately. Yeah, thank you. I agree. Thanks.
the comments and questions on item 3B. And Mr. Chair, if nobody else, um, I'm sorry, Ms. Musto, if you wanted to say something, I was going to make a motion to approve. No, I was just going to second. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Uh, so, Mr. Zulis, I'll make a, a recommendation to approve the handicap, uh, the handicap uh, parking space for 190 Thatcher as presented by, uh, by, by Mr. Berkeley. And I'll second. Motion has been made and seconded. This will be any, any further discussion. This will be a roll call vote. Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. Mr. Zola? Yes. Mr. Zulis, yes. Item 3C is um, the do not enter restriction at Elliott Street um, at Blue Hills Parkway. Uh, Mr. Berkeley? Yes, so thank you, Mr. Chair. So, yes, yeah, so for quite a number of years, there's been a time restricted do not enter uh, from Blue Hills Parkway onto Elliott Street, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday to Friday. Um, during the uh, MBTA track uh, repair, project back in October uh, for construction purposes, those were removed so to allow the shuttle buses to enter the street during that period of time that we're uh, replicating the trolley service. And uh, we were approached by a resident in that neighborhood that said, you know, we don't believe these restrictions are necessary anymore. Um, be, ever since the geometry of the whole interchange was done over and it was in you know, 2015 era. Um, and so there's no way now for traffic coming from Blue Hill Ave to take a right onto Elliott Street as they could before, before all the curbing was realigned. So uh, at our November 2023 Traffic Commission meeting, we supported leaving the signs down for a trial period time, uh, just to keep an eye on things and have uh, received no negative feedback whatsoever. So we took a, a formal uh, vote last week to, to leave those signs down permanently. So, so the motion would be um, to remove, their recommendation is to remove the do not enter Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. restriction permit. Yes. That's the recommendation. Yeah. Mr. Zoll. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, unless someone feels uh, the need to speak about this as someone who used to live right off Elliott, I think um, Mr. Berkeley is exactly right about the um, the changing of that intersection and the uh, subsequent aspect on traffic. So I uh, would like to make a motion uh, that we uh, adopt the recommendation, the, approve the Traffic Commission's recommendations for the removal of the do not enter restriction signs on Elliott Street at Blue Hills Parkway. I'll second. Motion's been made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor, Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. Mr. Zoll? Yes. Mr. Zulich, yes. Item 3D is um, a, uh, I guess it's a discussion about a proposal on Hollis Street and a request on Colorado. Um, Mr. Berkeley, do you want to um, give us an update on those? Sure. So those are two items uh, that were brought to our meeting last week that uh, we felt uh, in the case of Hollis Street. So there was a proposal um, by, by a resident who lives there to make a portion of the street one way citing um you know a lot of congestion and a lot of um near misses in the vicinity of the post office rear driveway in the back of the art center it being very narrow and it'd be a constant um flow of people parking and going to the post office um so we didn't uh, have any specific recommendations other than to that we thought this was worthy of further study um and and that's a similar conclusion on the kaylor ave and thatcher street uh request um, that it, it warrants more investigation, but no recommendations at this time. 
comments or questions on Hollow Street and Kaler Ave? Uh, Mr. Berkeley, what, um, do you have any sense on the timing uh, for the, the review of those uh, those two items? So Hollis Street is one would probably ask for assistance through, uh, with beta uh, to look at that because that's one example of where our new traffic model would be very helpful. So we can simulate a one-way traffic pattern change and, and try to determine the effects of that in the surrounding neighborhood and surrounding streets. Um, the Kaler Ave and Thatcher, um, we're going to uh, include that. So we have a grant uh, application out for Warren Avenue right now to uh, get some state money for improvements there. And we're hoping that we can roll in uh, Warren Ave, Houston and Kaler kind of all together in one package if, if we receive that grant. So, so, so this will, these reviews will take, um, you know, some period of, uh, some period of time, some period of months. I would think so. Yes. Okay. Um, other comments or questions on item 3D? Seeing none, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Berkeley. Uh, and we'll look forward to the next report from the Traffic, Com Traffic Commission. Thank you, everybody. All right. Uh, item four is a discussion vote on the February 13th uh, ballot question. Um, uh, Mr. Wells, who through no fault of his own is unable to be here today, has requested that we delay a vote uh, on this until um, a meeting that he could attend. Um, uh, we may not be able to have a meeting between now and February 13th because of schedules. I think we're going to try, but we may not be able to. So, so my, my suggestion would be uh, if the members want to um, discuss it and, and you know, uh, uh, discuss their views on it, uh, but maybe we delay a vote until uh, if, if if and when we we get a chance to meet before February thirteenth. Uh, that's my suggestion, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I I agree with the uh, that we should still discuss it. Um, I, I'm just wondering if we should have a if there's a way to have a preliminary vote that we could subject to change if we can get another time. I, I've been back and forth with Mr. Milano several times uh, in the last couple of days to try to find a time. I hope that we can find a time that Mr. Wells can can chime in because I think his voice is an important one here. Uh, I just don't want us to be in a position where we haven't taken an official position before the ballot because I think it is important that we do that. Ms. Musto. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I would hope that we would wait um, First of all, I just want to back up. I'm wondering why we need to take a vote on this. This is going to the residents. And I think that um, the residents shouldn't be necessarily influenced on a ballot initiative by um, by us as a board. I think people should be able to um, look at information on both sides and make decisions. And I think that that's more of a democratic process. And um, at this point in time, I don't know why we would, you know, be doing that. Thank you. Okay. Um, all right. Um, so, so Mr. Zoll would like to take a conditional um, vote. Um, Ms. Brad, <laughs> thank you for, I was just trying to work things through, things through in my mind, but maybe you'll <laughs> offer a suggestion that will bring it all together. <laughs> Well, I haven't had that much coffee, chairs of this. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going to agree with Member Zoll. Um, I too 
uh, let me just say, I 20 minutes before this meeting was about to take place is when I was first approached to have another meeting on the topic. As member Musto has said multiple times, I was prepared to take a vote today. I had no idea that we weren't going to be taking a vote. At one point, I thought the meeting was going to be canceled because Mr. Wells wasn't going to be here. There has been plenty of time to think about this. And while I agree that having member Wells's vote is important, I'm concerned that we're not going to be able to, oh, look at that, on an oil truck right now in the middle of my street. Um, <laughs> I, I'm concerned that we won't be able to find a time. Sorry, my dog's going to go off. Um, so. I agree that we should take a conditional vote um, today. And, and then if, if we work it out um, for next week, I know that, that when we were trying to plan this at our last select board meeting, this was the only date that we could find before February 13th. Um, I do think it's important that we um, let the voters know where the select board stands as the um, legislative governing body of the town. Um, I think that it is an important thing that we are the ones that put it forward to begin with at town meeting. And so I think it's important for us to um, to take a vote and say where we stand on something that we had put forward previously and was approved by two thirds of town meeting members. Um, I have been watching the planning board meetings and know that they have taken a vote, untaken a vote, possibly taken a vote again. Um, it's a little confusing of what they did earlier this week, um, but they too have taken a stand on this um, ballot question, or they did. Um, and so I think it is important to the residents that they hear from the two boards that um, are the ones that are determining where the zoning is going. All right, so, oh, Ms. Musson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just wondering um, if we do have an update on what the planning board did at their last meeting. I didn't watch it. Does anybody have an update? Mr. Milano, perhaps? Not, I have not viewed the meeting yet. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't either, so I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think it was, yeah, I don't know. I watched um, it, but I don't know that I am prepared to comment on it because I was really confused by it, honestly. Okay. Um, all right. Well, um, uh, perhaps what we can do is, uh, if if people want to take a vote, we could take it, and we want to respect, um, uh, you know, Mr. Wells, because certainly there was no fault of his own that he couldn't be here today. Um, uh, maybe we would make a vote subject to reconsideration. At a subsequent meeting uh, prior to prior to February thirteenth, maybe we do that, and then we could we could uh, we could have a discussion. We can have that conditional vote, and then if we're able to to uh, assemble prior to the thirteenth, then we can uh, we can uh, we can uh, we can reconsider that, Mr. Zoll. Uh, thanks, Mr. Chair. I, I think that seems like a, a good uh, compromise, and I think just to sort of uh, respond a bit to uh, Ms. Musto's points. I, you know, the select board often uh, takes official stances. Uh, you know, when we have the warrant for town meeting, we take an official stance. Um, this is in fact a special town meeting. So I think we should be treating it exactly the same. Um, we would always take a, uh, a stance on uh, on articles in the warrant for a town meeting as this is 
considered a special town meeting, I think it's entirely appropriate for the select board uh, to continue its practice of, of uh, taking a stand on a particular article. Thank you. Um, Ms. Munster. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I think it's important to note that we're a five member board and we're missing a member who has clearly said that he wanted to weigh in on this issue. I think that, you know, it's such an important issue for the town. It's probably one of the biggest issues before us. I think that it's, you know, not a good precedent for us to sort of make something and then conditionally we'll hear what he has to say. I don't think that's that's right at this point in time. Um, we've often made changes to our schedules to accommodate people. Um, and I don't think this is the right message to do. So for me, I, I could not support doing that. Thank you. Right. And, and I would say we're making every effort to try to uh, to try to coordinate uh, all everyone's schedules so that we can meet prior to February 13th. But uh, but it is, as you know, Ms. Musto, it's a challenge. So uh, so I think there's every intention to do that. Uh, at the same time, we do have members that do want to to want to speak on this, and this could be the last opportunity uh, to do that. And so, so, uh, so I, you know, I, I think if we if we allow the members to speak and they can speak uh, with a, a vote and make it a conditional vote, and then if we're able to to meet again, and I hope we are uh, prior to the thirteenth, then we can uh, then we can reconsider it. So I, I think that's a fair way to do it. Just just because of the timing and and uh, we may not have a chance to meet because of schedules for prior to the 13th we're going to try but everybody's we <laughs> it hasn't been as easy as we'd uh, as we'd uh, we'd hope but we'll uh, continue to make every effort to try to try to change the schedule and and meet again prior to the 13th so all right so why don't we why don't we um uh, want to address the substance if we want to address the substance to this if, i don't know if any member wants to address the substance of it uh, item four, um, I, Mr. Zoll. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to take a couple of minutes, and I, I'd ask the board's indulgence for that. Um, and, you know, I, I am very sympathetic to Mr. Wells. I'm very sorry for his loss, and my thoughts are with him and whoever else is mourning uh, this morning. It's never uh, a great reason to miss a meeting, uh, but I think, you know, we, we are all living busy lives and trying our best. <clears throat> but I... <clears throat> So I'd just like to speak for a few minutes because I think this is an important issue and I think the residents deserve to know what the truth is about this issue. Uh, and I'm worried, frankly, uh, that there's been a lot of mis and disinformation that's been circulating about, uh, about this issue. And so we've heard mul from multiple people why this is the right thing to do uh, because it provides uh, housing diversity for our young families, for seniors uh, looking to downsize uh, because it provides more affordable options for folks in town, not affordable housing per se, but that's part of it. Uh, and because it prevents us from losing hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in in state monies, millions of dollars of potential future state state funding, as well as the legal fees, as well as the the fines that we may be subjected to, and the court costs that we're going to be subjected to. I think any Milton taxpayer could look very easily and say they we do not have the budget to absorb those kinds of losses to fight the fight that our town council has already told us we're going to lose. But we've heard all those reasons why voting yes is a good thing. Uh, it's the legally, morally, and fiscally responsible thing to do. So I thought I would address this uh, ad, which has come up in the Suburban Shopper two weeks in a row, 
Um, and I'm assuming that this ad is the best argument that the no folks have because they've run the same ad twice and it has five bullets. I'm sorry, I got a blurry background, but if you've received it and I'll, I'll read them for you quickly. I just feel like it's important to address each of these arguments because for all of the reasons to vote for, there must be good reasons to vote. against. <clears throat> so I want to start by saying that each of these bullets points out that there is no plan for something, some part, some element of the existing plan is lacking something. And I would sort of counter that there is no other plan. So every time that there's the point is made that there's no plan for something, that same is true for the no side. So let's take this whole thing with a grain of salt to start. The first bullet that has been brought up and that we hear about a lot is that there's no plan for traffic. Mr. Chair, I believe that everyone, most everyone engaged in this debate really does want what's best for Milton. But I believe that it's important to be honest with the citizens. And the idea that there's no plan for traffic is false. It's not true because this is a zoning plan. It is not a construction plan. Planning happens when, planning for traffic happens when a plan, a design plan is submitted. So we can zone a space for 100 units and a developer could come in and say they're going to put 25 or they're going to put 50 or they're going to put 100. And when they do that, they come forward with their traffic plan. So the idea that there's no plan for traffic is just not true. It's part of the process. And as this happens, the planning board will have oversight of the traffic plans that happen around the development. If there's no development proposed, then there won't be any plans for traffic. So why would we spend the time, the town's time and resources when we know that the whoever de decides to develop the property is going to have to do that? So that's just not true. It's not true and it's important to say that it's not true because we're often told that this is a problem and it's not. This planning for traffic is part of this process. The second point that they say is that there's no plan to pay for the impact of an additional 2,461 zone multifamily units. So this is, I really, I he hesitate to use the word, but I can't say it any other way. This is a lie twice over, okay? The reason that it's a lie the first time over is that they say an additional 2,461 zone multifamily units. We know that this plan does not have that many additional units. It has, if it's fully built out, which it probably won't be for 25, 50 years, but if it's fully built out, the maximum number of new units would be 1,730. So they're using a false number false number. I think that that's, I think that that's reprehensible. I think it's reprehensible to use a, a number that they know is not true. Whoever they is, Milton Neighbors for Responsible Zone, they're using numbers that they know are not true to try to scare people. And we, I get accused of scare tactics, tactics all the time when I'm just laying out the facts. And I'm laying out the facts here that this is not true. The second reason that it's not true is because it says there's no plan to pay for it. The planning board engaged a consulting group, which looked at similar projects throughout Milton and in similar neighborhoods, and they have determined that if everything is built out, which we don't think that will be, but when everything is built out, that this would actually result in a net gain of revenue. Okay, so there is a plan. The, the plan pays for itself. The no plan has no plan to pay for our legal fees, our fines, the loss of revenue that we're going to have from the state. So if you're talking about fiscal responsibility, that's important to know. The third point, and again, I hate to belabor this, but they've run this twice in the suburban shopper. And I know how expensive that is. So they clearly believe these are their best arguments. The third point is that they say there's no equitable distribution of units. That the law prohibits us from equitably distributing this exactly 100% across the whole town. We are required by law to put 50% of the units within a half a mile of a transit stop. We are required by law to have a particular amount of density 
we are required by law to make sure that each district, which can consist of subject districts, is at least five acres in size. Everyone on this board, everyone on the planning board, and anyone who's paid attention to this process knows how many iterations that we went through. We looked at, we looked at Fuller Village, we looked at Winter Valley, we looked at properties that made members of this board upset that we were looking at them, just so that we could try to say that we have looked at every corner of Milton to try to make this as equitable as possible. So that there's no plan for equitable distribution of units is not true because it le A, legally can't be true, and B, hundreds of thousands of dollars were put into the planning process to make sure that this was as equitable as possible. We heard from communities, 30 plus community forums, plus planning board and select board meetings. This is as equitable as it, as it gets, okay? And by the way, again, there is no plan for equitable distribution on the other side as well. The fourth point, no plan for increased affordability. Again, this is a lie. It's a lie. The planning board is currently planning for raising the bar from 10% to 15% for affordability. They're currently engaged in that with this plan. The planning board's doing it. Do, do they, maybe these folks don't know that that's happening, but if they do, shame on them. If they don't, then also why are they spending thousands of dollars on advertising something which, they, which is not true? The fifth point is that there's no plan for reclassification. We have a historic trolley, it's not rapid transit. So again, this is, I will, I will use misdirection or mistruth for this because there is no way to be reclassified. We have written to the state twice with very strong language, suggesting that we have been misclassified, asking for explanation of our classification. We have been told it's not happening. The attorney general's letter made it very clear that they consider, the state considers us to be an MBTA community. Chelsea is an MBTA community. Chelsea has one silver line bus stop, one silver line bus stop. Imagine if we had one silver line bus stop and we were being asked to do this. Imagine the hair pulling would have happened at that point. We have a real trolley in this town, and I moved to this town because of that trolley. I rode it every day as a commuter for years. It's a good trolley, and not only is it good, it's going to get better because the state is investing $114 million in the redesign of it. They're investing $12.2 million in the meantime to re refurbish the PCC cars that are on there. I'm going to miss the orange cars because I love them. I think they're beautiful. But when we have the nice green cars, the same cars that are rolling down the B, C, and D lines rolling through Milton, it's going to be better for us. It's going to be better for residents that have disabilities and make it easier for them to get on. So, Mr. Chair, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank your indulgence for going through this. I just feel it's important to point out that the best five arguments that have been brought forward twice to as many Milton people as possible are either not true or they're deliberate mistruths. So the folks of Milton should know. I've been accused of fear-mongering. I've been accused of over-exaggeration. I know that I don't always come across as warm and fuzzy. I'm not a politician. I, I apologize for that. But I really think everybody wants what's best for Milton. But there's only one group that's telling you the truth about this. And there's another group that's telling you this, they're, 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 they're making you believe something that's not true. So with that, Mr. Chair, I'm going to end my comments. I'm not going to respond to anybody because I appreciate how much time that I took up. Thank you. Other comments or questions? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Several points I think need to be raised here. One is, again, tell the truth. I think the truth is what is not being told here either. Even you yourself, um, Member Zoll said, we sent two letters, strong letters, for explanation of classification. Now, you tell me if explanation of classification is asking for reclassification. Two different asks. So when people say we asked 
No, we didn't. And in fact, with that first letter, I know you had a lot of influence on that letter because you did a lot of the alterations of that letter. Um, so I, I think we need to be truthful about that. Again, if we had done our due diligence and had really asked for that and shown the reasons why, it might have a different outcome. I think both sides do want to get to a situation that is right for the town. Um, I'm troubled by the fact that I heard earlier that there was a forum um, where people were turned away. I personally did not get an invitation to that forum. Uh, that happened with the Lieutenant Governor, and I do find that troubling. As far as traffic studies, I know you had mentioned that there are things that can be done based on modeling. Uh, they've used that a lot of times. If they are anticipating X number of units, they can look at what the traffic implication might be. We're one community. I feel like we're selling out the East Milton residents on this plan. This is a select board plan. It's not a planning board plan. We have an opportunity that we could have made it better. We could have added the affordability in by doing a study, but we were in such a rush to try to get something on the books instead of looking at the big picture. So I ask everybody, are we willing on a board to sell out one side of town? 50% <clears throat> within half mile of transit and the other 50% elsewhere. I don't know if the exact numbers actually e equal out to that. The point being, the whole purpose of this whole thing was transit-oriented development. Seems to me that a plan that put more near the transit was the plan that we should have gone with. But again, we were in such a rush. Boston, again, has 17% affordable. We have 10%. For people that believe that putting out, um, you know, whatever number it ends up being, whether it's 2471, but you say it's not, so 1730, that means that we will need more affordable housing, uh, 40B actually, we'll need more 40B to keep up with that because we only have 10% on rentals. I think we can do better. I think we have an obligation to the residents in this town to do better. We're one community. What we're doing is we are pitting people against pitting other, pit, pitting neighborhoods against neighborhood. We're pitting people against people. Um, and, you, I think that it's not equitable in terms of this. Putting more units on one section of town is a burden. It was just not even clo close to getting to um, amenities. It's more than half a mile. So again, I think that we could have done better. Um, you know, I think we have an obligation to the residents. And I think that we have an obligation to listen to whatever the vote may be, whether it's for or against and stop selling out one side against another. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Mostel. Well, no one was in a rush. This was done over, over a year, year and a half. It wasn't just a select board plan. Had the input from the planning department, planning board, the consultants. No one's selling anyone out. Um, this board certainly since last September has asked and sought whether there's a better plan, whether there's something different to do. It's been nothing presented in terms of anything better. We're always open to that. Everyone's always open to that. Everyone's always would be accepting of a better plan. It just hasn't been presented. 
um, since September when we first proposed this one. So this, you know, 28 page proposed zoning meets the primary goal that Milton residents, people we represent, have sought in planning for many years. And that is to preserve the physical character of the neighborhoods. Now, how does it do that? Well, for one example, this 28 page zoning protects East Milton Square from overdevelopment by requiring lower height, lower building height, more open space, and bigger setbacks. It is a disincentive for developers in East Milton Square. And the goal is to maintain the status quo until the East Milton residents decide on what they want for overlay zone. And that's all found at page 23 in this 28 page document. As another example, the non-residential property zoned on Granite Act, what's been referred to as 500 units or 1100 units, they allow us to get credit for those units in non-residential areas right next to the highway, so we don't have to zone for them right in the middle of our neighborhoods. Now, specifically, that state-owned DPW lot on Granite Ave, it's across the four-lane state road from Portland Circle and Thistle Ave. It's got three existing buildings, storage tanks, trucks. It's got a 200-spot um, park-and-ride parking area where there are 200 cars every day. It is not subject to the town's zoning. State could have done something different with it over the last several decades, regardless of our zoning, but it hasn't. The state would have to decide to move all its operations, to move those buildings, and to move the 200-car park and ride lot somewhere if they were going to do something different with that property. But if we include it, in our zoning, we get to count those 368 units without zoning for them right in the middle of a neighborhood in Milton. And we protect against the potential for bigger buildings being right next door to existing houses in our neighborhoods. And if the state did decide to move all its operations, to move that 200 lot park or 200 car park and, uh, park and ride lot somewhere, and tried to sell it to a developer, it would have to fix that four-lane road. It would have to put in stoplights, which is what the Cortland Circle and Thistle Ave neighborhoods want. And a developer would also have to somehow fix the water issues. It's the same with two granite. Up the road, half a mile past the highway, um, right next to the Dorchester border, uh, it's a relatively new commercial building. It's got an anchor tenant in it, catches law, and um, that tenant is an anchor tenant, and look, that, that's not gonna change anytime soon. We zone for 171 units in that commercial building that's a half a mile away from any neighborhood in Milton, and we get to count those 171 units towards our minimum and, uh, without zoning for them right in the middle of a neighborhood, and that helps to preserve the physical character of our neighborhoods. As we also know the zoning, because we've all read it, we've all, you know, and now hopefully the voters will all read it. There are four pages of development standards, pages 27 to 31, and there are another two pages of site plan design and review requirements at pages 33 to 35. They all benefit our neighborhoods, and that would all be lost 
if we vote no. Now, you know, we've seen this movie before. Um, five years ago, there was an organized effort to say no to the Falcone development in East Milton. Organized effort to say no. It's the same arguments were made, the traffic, and we don't need to worry about 40B, the law, and we'll beat them in court. And that was a 50-unit project with commercial development and parking. And the no's won. The no's defeated that project. And the result of the no's winning and defeating the Falcone project is that, that 50 unit project is now a 92 unit project with no commercial and no parking. A 50 unit project on Adams Street. We, we said no to that because we thought we could beat the law or go to court. And um, it became a 92-unit project. And I fear that that's, what gonna, that's what will happen if we say no again. I fear that it will be bad for our town, and I fear that it will, will particularly be bad for East Milton. The truth is that this zoning is no housing advocate's dream, and it's not the choice of residents who don't want to comply with the law right now. It's right in the middle. It preserves the character of our neighborhoods with the minimal compliance with the law. That's what the residents have said they wanted, and that's what was delivered. And that's why the town meeting members who reviewed this and debated it for seven hours ended up approving it by two-thirds. So again, the consequences of the no vote, if we vote no on February 13th, we'll be in violation of the law. We'll face lawsuits from the attorney general and others. Our zoning will be controlled by a judge or a special master who won't be interested in preserving the character of our neighborhoods. Funding will go down, costs will go up, and it's the Milton taxpayer who will be hurt by all of this. And you know, we, we, we now know from what's been calculated that there are basically three buckets of funding that will go down. If we say no on February 13th, there are the specific grant programs in the law and the guidelines, MassWorks, which we got a million dollars from for infrastructure in 2012, Municipal Vulnerability Preparedness Grants, which we got $100,000, over $100,000 in the last five years from that. We got $80,000 in community planning grants in 2023. We got $60,000 for a rap local rapid recovery plan for East Milton in 2021. And we got $40,000 for East Milton mixed use overlay zoning in 2022. We also know that uh, uh, the second bucket is those competitive discretionary grants that are controlled by the government. We benefited from these grants over the last three years to the tune of $1.7 million in the area of schools and DPW and health and IT and planning. And we know that these are all at risk. We know that because last week, we were granted $140,000 to finally fix our seawall and our dock down at the landing. And that is subject to compliance with the MBTA communities. And if we vote no on February 13th, we don't get it. If we vote yes, we do. Finally, we know now that uh, we've been told by the Boston Metropolitan Planning Organization 
which judges the transportation improvement program pro projects from which we have benefited to a large degree, several millions, several million, million dollars over the last few years, that we will be penalized if we are not in compliance with the MBT Communities Act. We have future projects such as $19.4 million for reconstruction on 138 from dollar to uh, Royal to Dollar Lane, $4.8 million for the intersection of 138 and Bradley. And we're going to be penalized five points in that competition for those grants going forward. And those grants, just so everyone knows, as we've been told by the planning department, those are usually decided by a point and a point and a half. So five points uh, is uh, certainly, certainly makes, will make getting those, uh, that funding for our roads difficult going forward. So these are real consequences. They'll cause real damage to our town and to our residents. Um, I think as town leaders, we have a responsibility to be responsible. I think we have a responsibility to act in the best interests in the residents. A no vote says no to Milton residents who want to preserve the physical character of our neighborhoods, and I can't do that in good conscience. A no vote says no to Milton taxpayers, and I can't do that in good conscience. A yes vote is a responsible vote. A yes vote is a vote for Milton residents and particularly for Milton taxpayers. And so that's how I, how I hope, that's what I hope we'll support as a board um, for the uh, referendum. Ms. Muscle. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Few things to say here um, with regards to um, the plan. Um, in the letter that we got from the AG. So the attorney general also said that she would work with us to, to um, comply. I think that's important. I think that we certainly could try to work with the AG's office on compliance. I think that um, we can do better. We can do better for all of the residents in this community. When RKG did their analysis, their fiscal analysis, my understanding is that they did not talk to any of the department heads. And I think that's important because there are consequences of um, putting in development for all of these areas, whether it be our roads, our sewer system, public health, police, fire. We really don't know what the costs of that are. Um, and I think the other part I would say is that we have um, an opportunity here to you know, even work on our own plan to get it better. I think that the planning board has the opportunity to do something better. We were stuck with a deadline that was an arbitrary deadline of December 20, um, 2023 for the, for the communities that are considered rapid transit. And that put a lot of pressure on the town to get something in. It's not a great plan. I said it all along. Is a trolley stop a subway station? We could have asked about that. We could have pursued that. We chose not to. Our letters could have asked for reclassification. Again, we didn't. Perhaps the best route would have been to have gone right to the, um, you know, either Mara Healy or the attorney general with that argument and met with them even and see what could have been done. I think we have an obligation, as you said, um, Mr. Zulis, to the residents, and we certainly do. We have an obligation to 
the town and to everybody in the town, all areas of the town. And I think that's, um, that's let the chips fall where they may and let's let the residents vote on these proposals and let them research both sides. And I find it troubling that we are not being open-minded to that process. Thank you. Well, I, I would just say, Ms. Musto, if, if you have a suggestion or anyone has a suggestion to improve this plan, we'll put it on the agenda. If someone from the planning board has a suggestion to, we'll put it on the agenda. It's been since September and no one has made any suggestion about an improvement to it. Now, that doesn't mean we're certainly, I mean, I, I, I think we as a board, we've been saying since September, give us something better, give us an alternative. So I think if we want to put something on the agenda for our next meeting, if you have a suggestion for an alternative, we'll certainly put it on the agenda. And, and I, I, I will point out, we, we did make uh, the, um, the argument to the MBTA that the trolley was not part of the red line. It was not a subway station on the red line. We put together, I put together about a 75 page packet supporting that uh, back in September. And uh, that was not something that was, uh, that was uh, agreed with by, by the MBTA or the HLC. Mr. Zoll. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I promise not to speak so long, so I'm going to try to keep this really short. I just want to say, I think Ms. Musto's uh, use of the word, let the chips fall where they may, is entirely appropriate uh, because this is gambling. We are gambling with the financial future of this town. Hundreds of thousands of dollars of potential fines, legal fees, lost revenue. When you take that gamble, it's not just a, 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 it's not just a roll of the dice of your own resources. Lost revenue means maybe we can't hire another teacher next year, or we have to lay off teachers, or we can't, we can't afford to hire the same number of firefighters or police. We can't do road improvements, okay? I'm not willing to take that gamble. Just a couple of other points. The only way that we can continue to work on this is if we vote yes. If we vote no, town council has advised, unless we come up with something that is both somehow adhering to the same guidelines and also radically different from what we've already done, that we're not going to be able to put it forward and the attorney general has not said that she's going to work with with us if we vote no this is not true the letter says very specifically that we have are an mbta community we have an obligation to to respond and i know it's very popular to poo poo when consultants tell us something or lawyers tell us something because in my gut i don't think this is 100 percent accurate but guess what Consultants know what they're talking about, and so do lawyers. And lawyers have told us that the attorney general, her letter is the indication that the town will be sued if we vote no. Now, we can gamble with that. Sure, let's gamble. But let's be clear about what the stakes are. The stakes are that we may have to lay teachers off. The stakes are that we will have worse roads, not better roads, if we vote no, because we'll lose access to state funding. And the best part of that whole gamble is that you know what the end result is gonna be. We're gonna still end up having to comply with state law. So we're gonna gamble away teachers, firefighters, police, and roads on a one in a million chance that somehow every lawyer that's looked at this and the state attorney general and the governor have all somehow gonna change their mind because, well, they've said that they're gonna work with us. I mean, I like to play a little bit of poker. This is, that's a trash hand. That's a two seven, you throw that away. You do not let the chips fall where they may on that. 
And it's important to be honest to the residents. This is not fear-mongering. These are consequences. And it's important for them to know that it's their tax dollars at risk, it's their kids at risk, it's their seniors at risk, it's their roads at risk, if you gamble and vote no. And the last thing I wanna say is, anytime we set a deadline, it doesn't make it an arbitrary deadline. The nature of government requires you to set deadlines. We know what happens when you don't set deadlines. You get what has happened in Milton for 100 years, which is that we haven't changed our zoning for 100 years. Now we're finally coming up with a deadline. Think of it as a 100-year deadline. We've had 100 years to try to gradually evolve to like Boston has, to be a, a town that's adjacent to the most dynamic city in the world, and we haven't done it. So is it an arbitrary deadline? No, it's a state-imposed deadline, and it was imposed not just on us, but on every MBTA community, including Chelsea, which has one Silver Line bus stop. One Silver Line bus stop. They are an MBTA community. They're compliant. We are not. So let's just be honest. When we use gambling rhetoric, it's correct. It's correct. But the odds are long. The stakes are very high. And we've got a lot of people telling us not to go into that casino. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you about the, the gambling um, you know, thing that you're talking about. Chips where they, chips fall where they may is, is allowing people to go out and vote. And let's get it straight. Let's be honest with people here. We left 2.5 million on the table when we were gonna do an animal shelter and that had no, uh, that wasn't based on any government funding. Okay, so as far as what's going on with the, um, with the roads and the schools, Mr. Milano said at our last meeting, that that funding is not touched and that will be coming for, forward for our town. So I don't think we should say that, that's not true. We have an opportunity to do the right thing. And you know, again, I think that the planning board could be working on their own argument, um, their own you know, um, article, I should say. The thing is, is that you're right, Mr. Mello had said that the two years, if we came back with the same article, but if it was different, um, and he did say that it would have to be on a tight line, but if there was a different article, um, slightly different, um, that he, you know, it, you'd have to work it. And I think that um, yeah, my question that was to Mr. Mello is if it came into compliance at that point with better, you know, affordability, with relooking at the districts and so forth, um, and, and just a diff totally different article, and it complied, would we um, be eligible for all of those grant fundings again? So I think that, you know, again, let's please let the residents decide, let the residents decide on this one. And let's stop making them um, afraid that if they vote one way or another, they're going to lose out on certain things. You have to be honest with people, let them make the decision. And that's not called letting the chips fall with their may, that's called democracy. Just to thank you, Ms. Mustard, just a slight clarification. Um, town Council didn't say it, it would have to be slightly different. Um, the, the language in the case laws, it would have to be substantially different in order to be uh, in order to come back in two years. Ms. Bradley. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you to everybody for their thoughtful comments. I am going to take hopefully not as long um, because I think for me, this is a really simple thing that boils down to one point, which I'll make at the end. Um, I purposely chose to move to Milton. Um, it reminded me of the town that I grew up in. 
I grew up in a small farming town in Western Massachusetts, which don't laugh, was a suburb of the biggest city um, out there, Springfield. Um, I know everybody's gonna chuckle now because Springfield's not that big of a city. But I grew up in a literally a farming town. Um, I lived off of Meadow Street. Um, and I loved it. I loved growing up there. I loved everything about the town. Milton reminds me a lot of that town. Um, with all of its flaws, it actually reminds me a lot of the town I grew up in. Um, and I moved out after my mom passed away. Um, I left Aguam when I was 20 years old. I am still in touch with many of my friends back home um, who have bought their family home, who've continued to raise families there. Um, and I am shocked when I go back there. It's not the same town I grew up in. In fact, now it's a city and it's thriving and it's bustling and it's diverse. Oh my God, is it diverse? And it's so beautiful. Um, you know, I graduated high school with three people of color. Um, and now I think their, their stats are up to almost 20% um, people of color that live in the town. It's amazing. They've made affordable housing. They've done it in community. They've grown. There's been growing pains, lots of growing pains there. But they've decided to change with the, the times, with the way our communities are going, with what suburbs have to be now for those big cities that we live by. I love Milton. I would not have picked anywhere else to live. Um, when I moved back to Massachusetts, we lived in Quincy and we looked around and I looked at Hingham and I, I looked at Weymouth and I found Milton and I fell in love. As I think many of us have that weren't born and raised here. I think we fell in love with the town. We fell in love with the, the people in our town. And um, and that, that hasn't changed for me with this zoning. Um, there's a lot of words being thrown around. There's a lot of accusations. There's a lot of different opinions. And that is a beautiful thing because I'm happy that I live in a town where all opinions and all thoughts do matter. We may not agree, but they do matter. But for me, if I was to sit and wait for something to be perfect before I ever started to do anything, I would still be living in my parents' basement, waiting for the perfect person to come along and sweep me off my feet, waiting for the perfect time to have children, waiting for the perfect time to buy my perfect house, waiting for the right college to come along. For those of you that know me, I'm a pretty liberal woman. I went to a Southern Baptist college. Like, let's just put this in perspective. I did not wait for the perfect thing to come along ever. And I'm not gonna wait here. And the main reason why I'm not gonna wait here and the last thing I will say is that it's the law. A lot of us don't like the laws. A lot of us try and change laws. I do, I wrote laws for many years. I wrote policy that thankfully became law that now people have to follow and I kind of like that because I think I wrote it better. But when I was doing that, when I was writing laws, I listened to people. People came to me with opinions. People came to me with suggestions. And you know what? Those suggestions got put in. I, like my fellow colleagues on this, have not heard any suggestions from anybody. Not one person that's telling me no has come to me and said, 
Aaron, I really think we should take out these two streets in East Mountain and put these two streets in the Columbines in. And the reason why they haven't done that is because it is such a fine, delicate dance of how to make this zoning work. It is something that our people that are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars have done for months and months and months with our town. I can't tell you how many times Tim came to the planning board with new new ideas, new ways to accomplish this because we went back and we did this and we did that because we had to try everything. It's not perfect. I don't know one thing on this planet that is perfect. Nothing. My street's not perfect. My 80s kitchen's not perfect. I love my kids, but they're not perfect. Nothing is perfect in this world, but we try our best and we do what's right. And at the end of the day, we follow the law. This is a law. It's not, well, if they had read it differently, they wouldn't have voted for it. 180, whatever, three politicians in our state voted for this. Four didn't. That's a massive spread. 66% of our voters here in town voted to comply with the law. That's a massive spread. This is not something that is just, let's wait and see. It's not. This is, we have a law. And I personally did not run for the select board to be named in a lawsuit as a defendant. That goes against everything I stand for in this country. I'm an almost 50 year old woman going to law school because I believe in democracy, because I believe in making a difference, because I believe in the law. There is absolutely no way that this town is a unicorn. God, I know I tell my kids I'm a unicorn all the time and I'm the most perfect thing. But we are not a unicorn. We have to follow the law. And so, Everybody can say what they want. Everybody can, can have their opinions about the letters and the money and the lies or the fear-mongering or let the people speak. Well, at the end of the day, it's a law. And I, I honestly cannot even believe that we're at this point, I don't know, we've been talking about this, this is like the 17th million meeting I've been at with it where we're talking about this. And it's the law. Take all those words, put them over on one side, put them on the other side, put them on the suburban shopper, put them in the Milton Times, but nobody is coming down to the fact that this is a law and we are citizens of this country and this country is based on law, period. I'm not getting into the fray with the rest of this because I'm not gonna be defended in the lawsuit. I, I, I can't even imagine that that would be a possibility. It's the law. You may not like it, but you gotta follow it. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Over 3,000 people signed a petition to bring this to a vote, to a townwide vote. I think that's significant. That's a big segment of the population that thought it was important enough that they, they should have the opportunity to exercise their free will and have a vote. I think that's important to say. You know, we're seeing other things that are happening in the news. I mean, if you've looked at the news, you've seen that the Newton teachers are on strike and they're not following the law because they believe in what they believe in 
and they're taking the financial consequences of that. So people need to do what's right. They need to do what's right for the community. People that are the voters, they need to go out there and be able to have the right to vote, whether they vote for or against this. That's their right. And I don't wanna take away a right from somebody um, that's a taxpayer in this community. I think that we represent, as, as you know, Ms. Bradley knows, I always say, we represent everybody in the community. And we could have done a better plan. And I know at one point, even um, at one of the pre-meetings before town meeting, Mr. Zulis, you were talking about um, even going up 10 stories on one of the buildings, and then that never came to fruition at our, our meeting. So I think even in the, the last minutes, we were, you know, scrambling um, to do something. We have a planning board. This is what they work on is zoning. I think from what I'm hearing, they're committed to working on a plan. I think we can do better for all of the residents in this town instead of um, trying to get something out that isn't right for the community. But again, I think the most important thing is people came forward and want to bring it to a vote. I think let it let people vote. Thank you. And I, and I think, thank you, Ms. Musto. I don't think anyone is suggesting that the people shouldn't vote or won't vote or exercise their free will. I think uh, the question is what, what this board's position is going to be. And then just to, to clarify, um, you know, no one, when I met with the neighbors over in Portland Circle last, uh, I guess it was last October, no one was scrambling. No one was, uh, what we we're trying to do is see if there were better options. And, and I committed to them to, to ask the, the planning department and the consultants if they could come up with better options, uh, including whether we could put more into granite and less in the other ones. Um, and there was there was an additional option that came up, but nobody seemed interested in it. But uh, but we're trying, you know, that's what we do. We try and um, it seems to me we'll continue to try, but there just isn't anything else. No one has suggested anything else. Um, so, uh, so sure. I mean, we can continue to try, but there, but you know, it's been certainly been, you know, it's been more than 18, 18 months of effort. Um, and certainly this plan has been out there since, uh, since the beginning of September. And, uh, you know, if, uh, again, we can put it on our agenda. If there's something else, it just, no one has suggested anything. Um, but I, I think this board since September has always said that we welcome uh, anything else, but it just hasn't hasn't come, Mr. Zoller. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, in the interest of time uh, and in the absence of any additional plan, um, and I will I would just add that um, the planning board is actually still working on our plan to raise the uh, affordability uh, requirements from ten to fifteen percent, which I appreciate. Um, I would like to make a motion, uh, a conditional motion, and you can work on my language here um, so that if we can meet again for Mr. Wells, um, that the select board will recommend a yes vote for the February 13th, 2024 ballot question on Article 1 from the December 4th, 2024 special town meetings for zoning bylaw and math amendment for compliance with the MBTA Communities Act, vote subject to not being able to meet again before February 13th. I'll second. Yeah, motion's been made and seconded. Uh, just just to clarify on the on the on the ten percent affordability, 
um, uh, under the law, there's a requirement that uh, there, there be an economic analysis uh, be completed in order to in increase the affordability from uh, above 10%. Um, uh, planning board has it in their docket to commission that economic analysis. Hasn't happened yet. We're hoping it will happen. Um, and we're hoping it will happen soon. Uh, I'm, uh, so anyway, I, I, I know there's been discussion of it. But again, that's the planning board's doing it. I, I, I wouldn't suggest um, that this board step in because it's really the planning board's uh, planning board's effort. Hopefully they'll do it. I suppose this board could um, if, if it doesn't materialize because I know there's a great interest in increasing uh, the percentage from 10% to as much as we can. Um, but that economic analysis that again sits with the planning board right now, that's a precondition to um, being able to increase the percentage. Um, with respect to the motion that's been made and seconded, uh, 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 it was a motion to recommend a yes vote uh, on the February 13th ballot. And again, I, I, I think I think it was fair, but I think Mr. Mr. Zola, I would, I would suggest subject to reconsider reconsideration at a subsequent meeting. Uh, prior to February 13th, um, if one should I'll, occur. I'll accept that friendly amendment. Right. I concur. All right. Uh, any further discussion on this? All those in favor, Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Uh, Ms. Musto? No. Mr. Zola? Yes. And Mr. Zola, yes. Item five, discussion approval, uh, letter regarding DCR's uh, potential closure of Chickatavit Road and the proposed project at Randolph Ave and Chickatavit Road. Uh, Mr. Milano. Sure, thank you, Mr. Chair. I provided for review a letter drafted um, that would be sent to EEA, um, which administers the environmental review process. Uh, we previously submitted a comment um, as part of the environmental review process for Chickatavit Road project. Um, as we discussed at our prior meeting, DCR also submitted a comment letter, um, which stated um, that they are assessing the feasibility of permanently closing Chickatawba Road to vehicular traffic for the long-term benefit of the Blue Hills Reservation. Um, they asked that the proposal to close Chickatawba Road be considered as an alternative of the design of the intersection improvement project, and that they asked that there's a, a project team establish with MassDOT uh, to consider this and um, work it in uh, over the next, uh, over the forthcoming design process, this potential option. I have drafted a letter for the board to uh, send to MassDEA, as I mentioned, with copies to MassDOT and DCR, um, asking to just confirm um, what portions of Chickatawba Road they're, they're speaking about. We are, or I am assuming they mean the portion heading um, where there is a gate heading towards Quincy and Braintree, uh, but their letter did not specify uh, exactly what they were talking about. Um, the letter notes that, you know, there certainly may be design improvements for having um, one leg of the intersection no longer needed, um, but they request additional information about it, request that alternatives are thoroughly studied, and that the town wants to better understand how the proposal may impact traffic volume, safety, and congestion. Um, if this project team is established, the letter asks that the town be part of that team. Um, and then there's just a closing note that we do have a water tower in this portion of the road um, that we will need to maintain access to. Um, that's what I've drafted. Happy to hear any edits or answer any questions about the letter as it currently stands. Thank you, Mr. Zola. Uh, 
Comments or questions? Mr. Zoll and then Ms. Mustard. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, Nick, just on the um, on that water tower, is there a way to get there if that road is closed there from Milton? Uh, no, not presently, but it's next to an education center as well. So I assume some kind of it'll probably be closed to the general public. But again, this is the information that I don't have to answer that. As if the gate were closed, the town technically would not have access. Yeah, I guess I'm you know just. Drawing from what Mr. Wells said at our last meeting, I, you know, I, I'm concerned if it's the, the plan is just to close a gate that's not going to show up on people's Google Maps and it almost certainly would result in more traffic accident, accidents, not fewer. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm appreciative that this I, I, I'm supportive of this letter. I was just curious about the uh, the location of the water tower. Thank you. Ms. Mustard. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I think the letter is very good. I do have a question about the last paragraph on the first page. While reducing the turns at this location may make redesigning that that sentence there. Um, it almost feels like we're giving them that this will make it. I mean, this will make it easier and reduce potential left hand turns. I'm almost wondering if we should have something in there because, you know, right now they don't have to do anything except for just designate the left hand turn signalization. So if we're sort of, it's almost making it look like we're giving him that, um, that the, that redesigning it, you know, um, will reduce potential left-hand turns. And I thought that the whole thing was that we want to make them just safer. So their own study um, back in 2018 from um, the engineer showed that, um, th that there was an alternative that was better. So I don't know if that rephrasing that at all would be better. That's the only question I have on that line. Thank you. Roxanne, Ms. Musto, I had exactly the same uh, thought and concern. And what I was going to suggest along those lines for that sentence um, is um, uh, starting the sentence with uh, where we begin on the second line, the town requests, and then say the town requests that EEA ensure that any alternatives and then take down any alternatives for redesigning the intersection or uh, reducing left-hand turns be thoroughly studied, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that that was the, my thought, because I, 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 I agree with you. I've had the same, exact same point that you did. And I thought maybe if we say, well, any alternatives for redesigning or reducing left-hand turns, we want to make sure they're thoroughly studied. So that was, that was my, that's my suggestion. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that line, it just, it's almost like you're giving them that otherwise. Yeah. And uh, I think that's important to, to put in there. So I do like that. Thank you. You think that works? You think that works the way I suggested it? I, I think it does. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously see what the rest of the board thinks, but I think that's yeah. the, you know, important to do. And then if we do agree with this, um, can you send out like the updated copy, Nick, once it's corrected and we agree upon it? Sure. So Thank I, you. I think you'd say, I'm sorry, uh, I think you'd say redesigning the, in, redesigning the in, intersection. See, it says alternative to redesigning oh. the intersection. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we'd strike that first whole half. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because that's, that was, I don't Roxanne, that's the part I was like, I, I had the same thought that we're kind of giving them that, so. I, right. Um, I think, I mean, I think that looks good. 
I Do you obviously see what everybody else thinks. Yeah. We got a, we got a thumbs up from Mr. Zoll. So, um, all right. Any uh, anything further on that? Do we want to uh, do we want to have a motion on that? I'll uh, move to approve uh, the letter uh, regarding DCR's potential closure of Chickatawbit Road and the proposed project at Randolph Ave and Chickatawbit Road as amended. I'll second that. Motion's been made and seconded. Uh, any further discussion? Uh, all those in favor, Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. Uh, Mr. Zola? Yes. And Mr. Zola, yes. Item six is uh, discussion approval of a payment for um, uh, or financial support for the community forum, which uh, we initiated uh, back in October uh, when we asked the Milton Interfaith Clergy Association to uh, put together a forum for our residents to talk to one another about everything that was going on is going on in the Middle East uh, and elsewhere. And um, the forum has come together. It is scheduled for Sunday, February 4th um, uh, from 3 to 5 p.m. at the, the Pierce Middle School. And what uh, Milton Interfaith Clergy Association has asked us is if we could sponsor a payment for the services of two facilitators. They have identified two facilitators uh, and so they were, they were, they would uh, are asking us to support the forum with a thousand dollars to pay for the services of the facilitators at the forum. Mr. Zoll. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I um, I'm delighted that this forum is happening. Uh, as everyone knows or should know, that the problems of anti-Semitism as well as uh, Islamophobia have not disappeared. Uh, if anything, they've increased about since the terrible, tragic terrorist events of October 7th. Um, and I think it's our duty as a select board to support it. Uh, my, uh, I, I'm personally going to be missing uh, the Milton High School performance of six in order to make it on time for this. And I would encourage anybody who can go to the Milton High School Theater this weekend. There's going to be some great stuff on. But this is a critically important event. Uh, and I'm, I'm planning on I'm planning on being there, and I uh, I wholeheartedly believe that we should be supporting it. I'd like to, um, if Roxanne would like to make the motion, I'd like to give her that prerogative. Um, or I'm, I'm, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Ms. Muscle. Um, thank you. I'm just well, a couple of things. I think it's great that we're having um, that the interfaith clergy is hosting this forum um, at Pierce. And I think it's good that we're letting people know about it and when it's going to be. And obviously, it's an important topic. Um, I just have a couple of questions. Nick, have we done this before where, um, you know, religious organizations are the hosts of this forum? Um, have we been do have we done that before where we've monetarily supported organizations like that? I, I think this is the town, the town is participating in it and has been actively involved in helping coordinate uh, between the police department and the schools. So it's not a the town supporting a religious organization. I, I, so I, I think that's the clarity. Um, 
or the difference rather in terms of how this is moving forward. Yeah, and just to add to that, I, I think the 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 payments would be directly to the facilitators, not not the Milton Interfaith Clergy Association. I think helped find the facilitators, but the the payments would be directly to the each of the two facilitators, not not to the Milton Interfaith Clergy Association. But I think it's a good point, Maxine. It's a very good point. Uh, I guess my follow up would be. Um, I understand that now that you've explained it. I just wonder if we're setting a precedent going forward because, um, you know, certainly if we all individually want to give money towards facilitators, I get that. But with the town using resources on this, you know, there was, I know there was um, something that happened not too long ago. I think it was an organization that had something about Ukrainian, um, you know, crisis. I don't recall that we helped um, sponsor or anything. And I don't believe that we're listed even as the sponsors of this. It's it's coming through mm -hmm. the Milton Interfaith Clergy Association. So I think it's it almost looks like it's an intermeddling of state and church. And I get a little nervous about that and setting a precedent with this and going forward. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point. Um, you know, I, I think uh, uh, we asked our board, asked um, Micah to to put this together, um, and now they have come back and said, in the, in the context of putting this together, they have two facilitators that uh, that need to get paid, and they have asked the town to see if the town would want to pay for those facilitators for this form. So. Uh, so I think it's uh, I think there's enough of a distinction there, but um, it may be something that we could check with town council. Problem is the forum is Sunday um, in terms of getting the approval. Ms. Bradley, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I might have missed this, but did you did somebody mention how much this the ask is for? It's it's each of the facilitators is um, uh, it would be paid five hundred dollars. And is the is the check being who's the check being written to? It would go individual to person as a consultant. Yes, it would go to each of the facilitators for the services provided. And they have their own company, so it wouldn't go to the interfaith clergy. Is what I, what I'm trying to get at is when you write a check, you make it out to somebody. We're making it out to. Yeah. Yes. Okay. This, this would go to the two. This would go to the. We get an invoice. Well, first we get an invoice. Right. Right. So we, we don't pay anything without an invoice. So we get an invoice from the facilitator for the services provided, and then uh, and then if it's approved, we would pay the invoice. So um, given that, and given the um, I'm pausing because I want to make sure that I am picking the right words. And I, I, I just, I guess I should say the um, um, deeply emotional um, outpouring we saw with what happened in town. Um, I think that it's our responsibility to try and heal some of those wounds. Um, and I think by bringing in a facilitator um, to work with the town to discuss these, these um, these issues um is a positive thing i i hope 
that everybody that sent emails that stopped me on the street that um, yelled at me in front of my house um, will come to this meeting and um, and we can start to work together and start to heal some of the wounds and hear each other, hear all sides. Um, so I personally would um, support this. I, I don't have the motion in front of me, but I'm going to guess that some of the members with their hands up probably does. So um, I'm going to stop talking. Thank you, Ms. Bradley. Mr. Zola and then Ms. Musto. Uh, I was going to make a motion, but if Ms. Musto has a separate point, I'd like to let her go first. Um, sure. Thank you. Um, I do want to say that I am supportive of this. I just want to make sure that we, you know, just have some clarity on it only because I understand there are two separate people that are separately getting paid that are facilitators. But going forward, if another situation arises, how will we handle that? And, you know, I just, like I said, it, it, this is, it, uh, if we really haven't done something like this before, we just want to make sure that we're um, consistent, you know, so that's all. It's a, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. Uh, you know, precedent in this, these kinds of things uh, is very important. So it's a very good point. Um, you know, I, I, I guess um, it's a good point. I, I, it's a good point, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Zell. Thank you, Mr. Chair. If there's uh, no further uh, discussion on this, I would like to move to authorize $1,000 to support the community forum, how do we dwell together in peace scheduled for Sunday, February 4th, 2024 from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. at the Pierce Middle School. I'll second. Motion has been made and seconded. Any further discussion? Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. Mr. Zola? Yes. Mr. Zulis, yes. Item seven is discussion update approval of the Milton Landing Lot B proposals from Dexter Southfield and Ms. Milton Yacht Club. Is this something we, we we can wait for Mr. Wells on? Is it possible? It's just a quick update. Okay. Oh, so it's an update. Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Malone. Sure. Uh, so since um, since the board had discussed moving forward negotiations with Dexter Southfield, I have been in touch with Dexter um, to discuss their proposal for Lot B. Um, and I just wanted to, to press the board that they really want to be uh, good to go for this voting season, which begins um, middle to end of March for their rowing uh, team. Um, and we know we have an obligation to the Yacht Club to keep, um, to provide them storage through June. And the board has indicated, you know, wanting to reach a resolution for all three parties. So we've talked about a way to have, a, um, have Dexter utilize Lot A, which is um, mostly vacant now for um, the beginning of rowing season once, and then as we work towards a full resolution for with each of the parties down there, um, we'll have everybody squared away for long-term boat storage. Um, so that's that's the update on Dexter. Um, they're very eager. They're, they're planning to install a low-profile dock for public use. Um, I have met with the Deponsa Rowing Club, who currently occupy Lot C. Uh, to discuss with them, give them an update, keep them updated. I've reached out to the Yacht Club a few times, haven't been able to coordinate them with the meeting, um, but that's just the last piece here to, to get spread away. So that's that's my update at this time. Uh, nothing permanent, but I mean, nothing to act on, um, but we're trying to pull together all three, uh, all three groups down there for a solution that works for everybody uh, for the next five years. Comments or questions? Ms. Brett. 
Thank you, Mr. Chair. I was just going to say that we should put this off until um, Member Wells can be with us since he is the chair of the Milton Landing Committee. So I just want to make sure that we're not going further on this topic until he's available to be with us. Okay. All right. Anything uh, Anything else on uh, item seven? So we'll, we'll uh, discuss this more when, um, at the next meeting with Mr. Wells. Uh, item eight is discussion update on the FY 2025 budget. Is, is, is there an update? Is Mr. Milano, Ms. Bradley, please? Um, thank you, Mr. Chair. We are continuing to meet with our um, town parks on the school committee. Um, we are continuing to have great conversations with them about the state of affairs for our town. Um, and Mr. Milano is going to provide a brief update with the, I think he's going to show us the governor's numbers that came in. Um, is that correct, Mr. Milano? I certainly can. Uh, <laughs> you don't, the, if people want to go and watch our meeting, they can watch it and see all the numbers. But so far, we only have the governor's numbers. Um, we're waiting to see how that shakes out. Um, of course, we won't get the House numbers until, gosh, is it March? And then the Senate numbers in May. So, um, so obviously we're we're playing with just the governor's numbers, but it doesn't look as good as it has in years past, is what I can say right now. Right, Mr. Milano, please use better words than I can. Yeah, I'll just to for a, a little bit uh, more particular information. The the state aid numbers from the uh, governor's budget were released uh, two weeks ago, or last week rather. Um, and state aid in Milton, which has been uh, strong over the past couple of years. Our net aid, so our state aid minus what they charge us for various items, um, results in a net aid number in fiscal 25 uh, for her proposal that will decrease. Um, so rather than expecting the state aid to increase, which is typical, we're actually going to get less money in fiscal 25 um, than we did in fiscal 24. Um, one of the, the main factor of that is that's town is only receiving $30 per student um, in fiscal 25 for her proposal, whereas in the past few years, we've uh, received more than that uh, due to changes around the Chapter 70 student aid formula that had been implemented. Um, so it caught us, um, I will admit, a little bit off guard, a little bit by surprise to see um, state aid drop so dramatically year over year. Um, so it's not good news for us. Um, in terms of where the budget stands presently, um, in, with our requested level service budget um, compared to where we anticipate revenues, we're looking at a gap of about $3.9 million presently. Uh, we do have another meeting of the finance committee scheduled for um, February the 15th. Uh, the Capital Improvement Planning Committee met this morning. They are also planning to meet that same week um, to finalize the capital budget. So we're making uh, progress slowly but surely, hope to present a balanced budget um, at that meeting on the 15th. Uh, and the, just the last thing I'll note is that we do have a number of needs-based budget requests that um, exceed folks' uh, level service requests. So uh, to fund any new or increased services would require more uh, funding than we have even um, where we're already faced with um, trying to close a, a gap of about 3.9 so that's where things stand. We'll certainly have a, a fuller update on our next meeting on February 27th after the meetings of the Capital Committee and the Joint Finance Committees um, in two weeks. Ms. Malai, any comments or questions from members? Item 9, discussion approval of meeting minutes. 
Superintendent, we ready to move forward on December 4th, December 11th, and December 19th? Yes, Mr. Chair, I make a motion to approve the meeting minutes from December 4th, 2023, December 11th, 2023, and December 19th, 2023. I'll second. Motion's been made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor? Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musto? Yes. Mr. Zillow? Yes. Mr. Zillow's yes. Item 10, public comment response. Do you have any public comment response? Seeing none. Uh, item 11, future meeting dates. We have the 27th of February and the 12th of March, uh, but uh, I think we're going to try to see if we can do something next week. Yeah, yeah, it looks like just it looks like availability is best. Monday is probably too late by now, but end of the week, Thursday, later in the day, um, like five o'clock or later, or Friday during the day. Uh, obviously, we'll need to speak uh, or get confirmation from each of you. Um, but based on some initial feedback, that's looking like the best timing. Um, but I'll reach out uh, separately after the meeting. Okay. Um, anything, anything further on that? Uh, item 12, future agenda items. Um, uh, do we have anything on that? Uh, can also obviously send an email as you do or, uh, on that. Uh, item 13, discussion approval memorandum of agreement with the Milton Professional Management Association for fiscal years 2023 to 2025, Mr. Weiner. Thank you, Mr. Chair. We um, reached an agreement with uh, this association um, a week ago. The union ratified the agreement. Um, it's a three-year contract uh, in accordance with our other ones. Um, the cost of living adjustment is 2%, 2%, 2%. In years two and three, there's an additional half percent increase. Uh, year two and step six, and year three and step eight. Um, in addition to that, we adjusted their sick leave accruals. Uh, we've also agreed to an increase on um, professional development. Uh, there's, there's money set aside for professional development for folks in this association. We agreed to increase that um, for folks to be able to take advantage of programs uh, and classes they might want to take. Um, that's the general outline of the agreement. I have to take any further questions if there are. Comments or questions? Um, uh, appreciate the, um, the uh, collaboration you know, between your office, Mr. Milano, and the uh, Professional Management Association. Um, do we have a motion to approve that agreement? Um, I'll make a motion that we approve the agreement. <laughs> for, I'll um, second. Oh, by the sorry. Professional Management Association for fiscal years 2023 to 2025. And now I'll second. Thank motion's you. Motion's been made and seconded. Any further discussion? Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Musta? Yes. Mr. Zola. Yes. Mr. Zulus, yes. Item 14. I'll make a motion to adjourn. I will second. Motion's been made and second. All those in favor, Ms. Bradley? Yes. Ms. Mustard? Yes. Mr. Zola? Yes. Mr. Zulus, yes. Thank you all. Uh, have a great rest of the day. Don't make it a good day, make it a great day. And um, uh, we will uh, see you again. Uh, when we see you, maybe at the end of next week. Thank you all. Bye.